Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Man, I want to jump right in the Word this morning. I want to grab 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And if you will, grab John chapter 14. I've been hanging out in the Gospel of John from 14 to 16. Just 14 to 17, just hanging out in there. And I want to share with you just some thoughts that I've written down. Um... This morning, if I would title this, I I would just title it A Fresh Look at the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I've also been studying. How many has ever read or studied anything much from Randy Clark? He is a great, I mean, Randy Clark is a a scholar. Um, And some some of his writings, I have to Google what he's talking about, you know. And... um, and so, uh, but I've, I've been reading some things of him and a, a couple of theology books. Um, and so, I'm just going to share with you my own thoughts this morning. But if I was to preach this morning, I would just preach on just the title of the fresh look at the Holy Spirit, okay? I have, a, a, as, as, as a lot of you or some of you in here, a Pentecostal background. And so... Um, some of that hinders my approach to the Holy Spirit. You know, the Pentecostals are glad that they believed in the Holy Ghost with the speaking in tongues and all of that. But, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is so much more than that. About four people in here. That's all right. Y'all help me out. We'll do good. If you, you know, if you just don't drag me down, we're going to preach for two hours. So Bat brought me some Snickers bars. And, you know what I'm saying? And so we, we can make it. So, all right, you good? I want to read you this. This is, um, I want to start out by reading this. Uh, I'm back in this uh, little book. If you remember, I've preached from this a couple of times. This is called Western Theology. It looks like a child's book, but there's so much in there that a grown man can't understand it. But uh, in, in, in Wes Zeiliger's book, Western Theology, he paints the picture of two different types of theology given. One is a settler theology versus a pioneer theology, okay? I've talked to you about the, 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 the view of God and the view of church. This morning, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. He says, in settler theology, the Holy Spirit is Miss Dove, the saloon girl. She runs, this book is set in like the Wild West setting for those that don't are not familiar with what we're talking about. I'm just kind of jumping and assuming that you've been with us or whatever. But in this book, he writes it in like the, the, the Wild West is his setting, okay? He said, in settler theology, the Holy Spirit is Miss Dove, the saloon girl. She runs the Olive Branch Saloon. Miss Dove is quite a gal, very appealing. She could charm the bumps off a warthog. Her dancing costumes brighten the drab of Settler City. She has costumes for each season purple, white, red, and green. The olive branch is right next door to the sheriff's office. It always, it's always dark inside. The soft evening sun filters through the colored glass windows. Candlelight completes the warm, cozy interior. Uh, over the heavy uh, mahogany bar is a picture of Eve, of, Eve, of Eve in the Garden of Eden. The settlers love that picture. Eve ain't got much on. Norman, Norman Spiel, the bartender, serves warm milk and, non, and the non-alcoholic kind of whiskey. Note to, note to settlers, just as there are two kinds of wine, alcoholic and non-alcoholic, so there are two kinds of whiskey. Norman is the most popular man in town. Folks love old Norm. He has a good word for everyone. He listens to the tales of woe by the hour. But from him, never has heard a discouraging word. He tells folks to think positively, to look for the silver lining. Miss Dove couldn't do without him. The Olive Branch is Settler's favorite hangout. They go there when life gets dull. And when they feel lonely, Miss Dove tickles them under the chin and makes everything okay again. I'm just telling you that the Holy Spirit desires far more this morning than to just tickle us under the chin. He desires far more than give us goosebumps in the room. Come on, somebody. He's looking to bring us into a place of communion. 
me. <clears throat> Tickles them under the chin and makes everything okay again. That's her job, to comfort the settlers and to help them forget their troubles. Miss Dove gives a special performance each Wednesday night. How the settlers look forward to it. With everyone seated, the saloon lights go on, go down. A hush falls over the audience. Then the announcer, in his smooth voice, says, And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Olive Branch proudly presents the, the Nightingale of Settler City, Miss Dove, the comforter. With, with good old Norm furnishing the accompaniment on his harmonica, Miss Dove slowly lifts her eyes and begins her sweet song. As the lights go up, there's not a dry and olive branch. Each settler has received a blessing. They walk home in silence. The bright star shines each in its own place, and the settlers' hearts are strangely warmed by the thought that in the mayor's great scheme of things, law and order reign in supreme authority. Now here's a view in the pioneer theology. Are you okay? In pioneer theology, the Holy Spirit is the buffalo hunter. The pioneers call him Wild Red. Wild because no one can tell what he will do next. Red because he has red hair. Wild Red is awesome. He's huge, the strongest guy around. His old buffalo hide clothes smell like the, like, like the creature that last wore them. Red takes a bath in the creek at least once a month, whether he needs to or not. There isn't much he can't do. He can hit a spit tune at 20 paces. He can shoot the eye of the eighth of spades. He can break a buffalo with, with, without once dusting his pants. Tough, an eight-foot diamondback once bit old Red. Nothing could be done to save the snake. It died. Red ate barbecue rattler that night. Snake, snakes keep their distance now, yet the buffalo hunter is mighty, is mighty wild, mighty tough to tame, never. The buffalo hunter's job is to furnish fresh meat for the pioneers each day. Pioneers get mighty hungry. Without wild red, they'll wither up and blow away like the tumbleweeds. Wild red has a weird sense of humor. He is, always he is always pulling something on somebody. At night when it's quiet in the camp, the pioneers are trying to sleep. Red creeps up and gives someone the hot foot. There's no rest when he's around. The settlers live in mortal dread of Red. Wild Red can't resist shaking up the settlers. Sometimes he sneaks up on them. Other times he rides full speed ahead into town on his half-tamed buffalo named Pentecost. Red and Pentecost are quite a pair. With Pentecost snorting and running full blast and Red hollering like a madman, who can blame the settlers for being scared? The buffalo hunter's favorite prank is to sneak up on the settlers while they are having an ice cream party. Each Sunday morning at precisely 11 o'clock, the settlers have ice cream parties on the courthouse lawn. Hey, <laughs> come on, y'all. Wild Red ties Pentecost out of the sight and then sneaks up behind the oak trees. When everyone is real quiet, thinking about how great the ice cream party in the sky, Red fires a blast from his big black buffalo gun. A tremendous explosion shakes the courthouse. The settlers jump out of their skin. Women scream. Women scream. Dogs bark. The mayor is roused up from his nap. Chuckling to himself, the buffalo hunter then rides through the streets, shooting up the town. One day he's almost, one day almost went too far when he rode Pentecost right in the olive branch. The poor settlers were scared, silly. Miss Dove was swinging from the chandelier, screaming for the sheriff. Poor Norman hit under the bar while Pentecost was turning over the tables. Wild Red blasted a few milk bottles and rode out right through the plate glass window. No one rightly knows where the sheriff was during the commotion, but rumor has it he was hiding under his desk. At night, Red likes to sit around, singing in his deep voice and playing his squeeze box. His song stirs the pioneers. See, one is a picture of a place called the church, as we know it, that where we go get a feel, where we go get tickled under the chin to make life's worries go away to give us faith and hope for another day. Come on, y'all. And one is the view of the Holy Spirit that's on the trail blazing with you every day ready to kill something fresh for you to digest every day. Come on, somebody. How many know Psalms 136 says His mercies are new every day? His mercies new every day. So every day that you wake up, there's something fresh on the heart of God that He longs to share with us. How can your name be called the Word and yet you have nothing to say? He has a lot to say. He's just looking for ears to hear and eyes to see it. Are you with me now? So let's look at a fresh look of the Holy Spirit. Also, I would say that, that Catherine being raised in a denominational church that really has a background of sensationists, 
where they believed that the gifts and when the canon of scripture were complete that the gifts stopped there and so there were no need for the activation of the gifts and so if you're raised in that type of environment you were sure you were sure aware of old red being in churches come on somebody because you didn't want to go to a church that believed in wild red because he was going to blast his gun at any moment and cause commotion in the church how many knows we need a lot of commotion in the church in america today all right, so let's look at this. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You there? Let's look at verse 17. I'm going to try to teach more than preach, but you know I'm subject to holler at any moment, okay? I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. He says, but the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And whenever he is Lord, there is freedom. Captain was prophesying freedom. That is the goal of the Holy Spirit in this house. That's what he's looking for, freedom, right? Now how many's heard this quote? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? Now let's look at this. Go with me. Let's go to Psalms 139. Let's look at verse 7. Where could I go from your spirit? Psalms 139. Where could, where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It is impossible to disappear from you to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere. Now we just read where Paul said, where the, what the Spirit is, there's freedom. Now we're reading out of Psalms, where is his spirit? Everywhere. Why is there not freedom everywhere? Because see, that verse is translated a little incorrectly. It should read like this. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is in supreme authority, there will be freedom. Come on now. How many, this is what we're looking for, right? We want to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Let's move on. The Greek word Lord is defined as supreme authority. Where he is welcomed as supreme authority, that is where you will find freedom. It is not just to say, when we say Holy Spirit come. We, we, first of all, let's realize he's already come, right? But where we welcome him and honor him as, his, as who he is, that is where freedom will begin to be established in the house. When we talk about the Holy Spirit with my background being a Pentecostal, most of us think of the work and the power of the Spirit instead of thinking of Him as a person. So when I think, when I was taught about the Holy Spirit, I was talking about Acts 1-8, you shall receive what? Power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I believe we've made the target or we've made the aim of God's power without understanding Him as a person. And what God was wanting to do is invite us into union and communion with this person of the Godhead. Come on, somebody. How many know are three in one. God was inviting us into this union with him, being invited into this union to fellowship with him, and out of that place should flow power. Out of that place should flow our gifting, all of the ministry, and everything we do is from that place of communion. So I was taught about, listen, what you got to get is the power. How many knows you can have great power, and God's generals are full of, are full of written uh, things of men who moved in great power, but yet burn out at the end. What keeps us from burnout is the communion. All right? If we see him as an influencer and power, we will constantly say, I want more of the Spirit. And I feel like, you know, a lot of times with us in here, where I've been at in the past, that was our desperate cry. There is more. But I remember listening to, I remember Chris Poston telling me years ago that when he first came to, he, that Lester Summerall, who was Rob Parsley's spiritual father, he went to a place and they were singing this song. And we used to sing this in the church when I, I was growing up as a teenager, that we used to sing this song, send him on down. Send him on down. How many remember that? Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. And we would all be hucking and bucking. It wouldn't take long. You know what I'm saying? People be throwing stuff in the room. You know what I'm saying? Wild Red was showing up. Or at least we thought he was. 
And Lester, somehow got on the stage and he said, don't ever sing that song again in my presence. He said, it is anti-scriptural to sing a song about sending him on down. He said that he's already come down. Come on, church. He's already come down. There is no way that you and I are going to get any more of the Holy Spirit out of heaven. He's already came out of heaven. He is on the earth empowering your life to be Christ-like today. There's no way that you're going to get any more. Where you do get the more is you yield. Come on, somebody. You yield your life to what has been already available to us. All right. But if I see him as a power gift, I'll be constantly crying out, God, I want more of that. I want more of that. But if I see him as a wonderful person, been sent to guide my life like a life coach that is with me every day, my relationship won't be to cry out for more of the power, but it'll be to cry out, Lord, help me to yield myself more and more to you every day. John chapter 14, let's go right here. I've got a lot of scripture I want to cover. We know that the book, the Gospel of John, deals with mainly the last week of Jesus' life. And look at his conversation here. Let's look at verse 15. His conversation with his disciples. He says, Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. We're never going to walk in it by viewing his commands, his law to us. In the old covenant, his law was, Thou shalt not. In the new covenant, is, I will. I will, I will. He's empowering us to live it, friend. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Look at this, and I'm going to ask for the Father, and he will give you another Savior. Brian Simmons, the, the, the King James renders that, that verse helper, but Brian Simmons chose to translate that word Savior because it encompasses more than just a, more than just a helper, Okay. Uh, uh, more than just a comforter. Father, and he will give you another. Listen, this word another is the exact same. You remember when Philip, when Philip showed up, when, when Philip asked Jesus, he said, how long are we going to be with you? How long, how long, how long is it going to be till you show us the Father? And he said, how long have you been with me that you've not seen the Father? I'm the exact representation of the Father. And everything that you see me do, I am revealing the Father to you. So Jesus was sent here to glorify the Father. The Holy Spirit is sent here to glorify Jesus. So when we look at the life of Jesus, it looks exactly like the Holy Spirit. So this word another is not if you're eating a piece of fruit and I've given you an apple and I said, would you like another piece of fruit? And I gave you an orange. That is not what this verse is saying. It means he gave us the exact same so we would not miss him. So what, we, what when we are able to study about Jesus and what we see in the life of Jesus, as Hebrew 1 says, he is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus is the exact representation of the Holy Spirit. He will never speak of his own. He will only speak of that which he hears, and he will glorify his Father in heaven. Come on, somebody. These three are in perfect unity, church. There is nothing envious, nothing jealous about them. As Damon Thompson says, they're in perfect cadence in a circular dance together. And a lot of times when we read Genesis chapter 1, we think God walking with Adam in the cool of the garden. We see one person there. There was not one person meeting with Adam. It was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost was walking with Adam in that garden. They said, let us make man. Let us make man. Out of that communion of their relationship, of their harmony together, they produce the offspring of Adam. Come on, somebody. This, Lord, I'm trying to get in here. I had, I had a friend of mine in Alabama send me Damon. I haven't listened to him very much, but he sent me his last uh, message. I think it's on September the 9th, the Carolina Revival. I encourage you to go read it. He's talking about he, he's talking about the Trinity in that, and he cries most of that message. That's probably the most broken I've ever heard him speak about. So look at this. He says, I'm going to send you another. I'm going to send you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, 
who will be to you a friend. Notice his communication with them. He's not telling them about the Holy Ghost that's going to give them power. He's not talking about the Holy Ghost that's going to allow them to preach. He's not talking about the Holy Ghost that's going to allow them to prophesy and do all the things and build ministry. He's talking about a friend that's going to be with them that will never leave them nor forsake them. He's looking at them in this moment and says, you don't understand this right now. We're at the height of my ministry, but I've got to yield back because it is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, what is in my life is going to just stay in my life. But if I will yield back and go away, I won't be the only, the, I will not be the, the only begotten son of God. I will be the firstborn among many brethren. And what is in my life is going to be in your life. And he's going to lead and guide you every day. Church, if we saw it like this, we would never see church as the place we go to. We would see ourselves as a river that is flowing out of us everywhere we go. to calm down here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Father. He's going to give you another. We understand this word, uh, Greek word another right here means the exact same. He's going to give you the exact same. The Holy Spirit of what? Truth. Who will be to you a friend just like me. He will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they cannot see him or know him. But you must know him. Look at this. You must know him when you go to church. You must know him because grandma told you about him. But you must know him what? Intimately because he remains with you and will what? Live inside of you. Now, I don't mind. I love Bill Johnson's teaching on the dove. But nowhere in the Bible does it say the Holy Spirit came to be the dove. And the problem I got with that Boy, I'm getting up. people scared. Listen, I understand what he's talking about. I've taught it too. I got messages called releasing the dove because I stole it from him. But I don't believe that the Holy Spirit comes and goes off of our life. The Holy Spirit don't come and go off of my life. The Holy Ghost remains in me. And he, remain, he remains in me as an earnest down payment. Come on, somebody. Anybody understand what earnest money is? When you got a house and you offer up earnest money, what you're saying is, I'm good for the rest. I, if, if I'm able to put the earnest money up, I'm good for the rest of the money. Come on, somebody. And the Holy Ghost remains in us as an earnest payment of the payment that will be fulfilled. Come on, somebody. When it's all said and done. He's remaining in us. He's not coming on us on a Sunday that we come in here and strike the right chord. He's in us. We brought him in this building. Now what determines how much he does in this building is how much we yield to the leading and guiding of his presence in this building. When we started this morning, when we met, when, when we got all jacked up, but when we found, I can hear the sound of fresh rain, however that song, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, the Calvary Christian. When we got that, what was the Holy Ghost saying? Hey, I'm ready to rain on something. Come on, someone. And it took you and I to yield what was happening in the room. And when you and I began to yield what was happening in the room, God didn't ascend down in the room, but we started ascending to where he was. Come on, somebody. And out of us, John 7, 38, he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Spirit, for the Spirit of God was not yet given because Christ was not yet glorified. So what was happening is I was started releasing what was in my river. She starts releasing what was in her river. Job 36, I believe it's Job chapter 36, is a perfect picture of this. He says that the clouds do distill on man according to the vapor thereof. So what was happening is you start releasing vapor in the atmosphere. Church, you start releasing vapor and atmosphere. Lord, I love you, Jesus. Oh, there just went some vapor. And what happens is we start building the cloud of glory that rains back down on us in this room. That's why worship is so important. It is not the time we take up so that the preacher can come preach. It is the time that you give adoration and worth to the Lord. It's just another helper right here. The Greek word for helper... If you have a passion translation, Brian Simmons' notes alone is worth four times the amount the Bible is. And he begins to, he tells you why he interpreted the Greek word here, parakletos. He tells you why he interpreted it savior instead of helper or comforter. The Greek word for helper is parakletos. John uses this word in 1 John 2, 1 when he says that we, if any man sins, we have an advocate. 
with the Father. So there's this picture, Paracletos, is this picture of a lawyer that is stand to represent our case. So much I want to go in there, but I'll... Let me just say this. I think our view a lot of times is we look at like, okay, the Lord's forgiven me. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, and he's forgiven me. And Jesus is my lawyer trying to get my case done. Folks, it's far greater than that. We are no longer a sinner. We've been transformed from life, I mean from death to life. From a sinner to a saint. So our Western theology of a courtroom and a judge and a lawyer is not what is happening right here. Our Western theology tells us that God is a judge and he's here to judge something. But what you got to understand is God's never here to judge you. He's here to judge anything that's holding you back from that union. And he wrote a book in the Bible called Judges, and he never got Israel for the judge. Come on, somebody. But he raised judges up for Israel to go kill their enemies. Y'all, this is... So the lawyer is not sitting there trying to get me off the hook with what he did at the finished work of the cross. The judge is a righteous judge, but the lawyer, instead of getting, instead of, instead of trying to get, he canceled everything that was in my lane. He didn't just die for me, he died as me. So the word, the word, so we get this word parakletos. I'm just trying to help us here with the Holy Spirit. Para means very close. This is the word that Paul used to describe his relationship with Timothy. When he says, I don't have no one like-minded like me other than Timothy to send you. When you see Timothy, he's an exact representation of me. Kaleo means to beckon or to call. So in this Greek word, the helper, the parakletos is a picture of God beckoning a call to bring us in real close. Y'all right? The Holy Spirit is permanently called closely alongside each of us to provide coaching, direction, instruction, and counsel in our life journey. I'm going to read this again. The Holy Spirit is permanently called closely alongside of each of us to provide coaching, direction, instruction, counsel in our life journey. A.W. Tozer writes this, The Holy Spirit is not enthusiasm. He is a person. Put that down in capital letters. That the Holy Spirit is not only a being having another is not only a being having another mode of existence, but he himself a person with all the qualities and powers and personality. He is not matter, but he is substance. The Holy Spirit has will and an intelligence, intelligence, feelings, knowledge, sympathy, ability to love, to see, think, and hear, and speak, and desire the same as any person has. All that the Son is, all that, all that the Son is, the Holy Ghost is. And all that the Father is, the Holy Ghost is. That's great news, church. Now let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Mm. Let me see if I got this right. Yeah. Let, let's, let me go right here to First Corinthians. I, I must have wrote this down wrong. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter three. Let me see if I got it in here. Yes, right here. I'm, I'm just wrote First Corinthians chapter three. Uh, look at verse nine. We are co-workers with God. I, I, I wrote this down. Lord Jesus, help me right here. I got it now. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Y'all calm down and pray. Somebody pray in straight tongues right here. I need it. 1 Corinthians 13. As Cleve Edwards will tell you right now, God has not healed my eyes. I come here testifying about how God healed my eyes. 
was going somewhere one night, and I stopped about 60 yards for the stop sign. He looked and said, dog, God ain't healed your eyes. <laughs> here we go, right here. On opening day of bow season yesterday, I, I drew back to shoot a deer and got down there, and it was a possum. So y'all keep praying. <laughs> but we're on the way. I'm on the way. I hit him perfect, though, in the kill zone. He just didn't have no horns. All right, let's hear. Second of this 13, you there? All right, we got to hurry right here. Finally, beloved friends, be cheerful. Repair what is broken among you as your hearts are being knit together in perfect unity. Live continually in peace. And God, the source of love and peace, will mingle with you. Look at this. The God of what? Source and peace will what? Mingle. Come on, that means he's walking in our midst, y'all. Greet and embrace one another with the sacred kiss. All of God's holy people send their greetings. Now listen to this. This is the close. This is the close of his letter to the church at Corinth. Paul is putting the final stamp. This is the last thing he's going to pin to them. This, this, out of all the revelation he's given them, out of, the, out of how the household of God is, is, is in, in the body of the church, all of these things, he's closing with these two last statements. Now may the grace and joyous favor of the Lord Jesus Christ, the life, the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the ambiguous love of God, and the precious what communion that we share in the Holy Spirit be yours continually. Amen. This is what he's just looking for in our lives. Church, I don't know of any greater message or any greater revelation you could get. When I, I remember when I was 18 years old, I had a miraculous encounter with the Lord. But when I when I remember at Pastor Bo Turner's church in Nichols, Georgia, at the Church of God, when I got filled with the Spirit, it was a great thing. But I thought I had to go to church. I thought I had to be in that church to get God to, to fellowship with me. When I learned that God would fellowship with me in my bedroom, come on somebody, that whole revelation changed. When I realized I could speak in tongues not only at the church, but I could speak in tongues every day of my life, a whole lot of stuff began to change for me. And every day I woke up at 5 a.m., you can call my mother and ask her right now as an 18-year-old kid, every day I woke up at 5 a.m., and that was, how many members of the song? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is Upon You by Linda Cooley. I played it every day over my life, and I learned at a very young age that I could fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. This is what he's telling them right here. Everything that I told you, everything about the body of Christ, everything about the administration of the gifts, all of the nine gifts I mentioned, they hang right here on how you commune with the Holy Spirit. If you're not communing with God, none of it matters. It don't matter how great your gift is. Because gift can only take you so far. I remember there was, old, there was an older preacher that was in the Holiness Church over in the Coffee County area. But I remember seeing him, and, and, and he could clap his hands and say, Jesus, and the power of God would fall where he was at. Whether he was preaching. I mean, I've seen him preach some funerals. I thought he's going to knock the person out of the casket. You know what I'm saying? He's shaking under the power of God. And he sang little simple songs, uh, always look up. He had a big guitar, Yamaha guitar, and he'd be playing. He said, always look up, don't never look down, because Jesus ain't buried under the ground. And I could think, God, how in the world can this man open his mouth? And the time he opens his mouth, the power of God begin to manifest in the room. The key was his communion with God. Come on, somebody. I've never been to his house when he was watching TV other than the Atlanta. Of Braves. He was in the Word all the time. This is what this is. This is not about some religious exercise. This is not about a lifestyle into, into just discipline. This is, But this is a beckoning call from heaven saying, I'm longing for somebody to talk to, to share the secrets of my heart. And what I'm looking for is just communion with you. And out of that communion will flow everything that you've ever thought you could desire. That's why he said in Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything will be added unto you. Everything comes out of that place. So the goal is not manifesting power. The goal is not how much authority we can walk in, but the goal is communion. And if the target is communion and fellowship, all of the rest will be there.
Jesus uses the pronouns he, himself, him 19 times from John 14 to the closing of John 16. It is clearly that the Holy Ghost is not a it. It is clearly he's a person. That's why we would see Kenneth Hagin just stand there and say, we worship you, Holy Spirit. Well, I thought we're supposed to be worshiping God. God is never offended when I say I worship you, Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is God. He's never offended when I say, let me just say, those three are in perfect harmony. Those three desire to fellowship with you. I know when I'm in my personal place with God, I know when I'm fellowshipping with Jesus. I know when I'm fellowshipping with the Father, and I know when I'm fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is always the encourager. When you're in deep compassion and love and all you feel those arms wrapping around you, that is the Father. When you feel that encourager along your side, that is your elder brother saying, keep pressing on, I've already went before you. They're not, they're, Holy Spirit, I love you. God is not getting upset about that. Jesus called the Holy Spirit his Father. All right. Look at this right here in John chapter 16. I'm almost through out of my right. Just, just shift right here from that C, maybe to jump in one of those minors of the A right here. Just take us a little different course right there, and we'll be good right here. Fixing to go. John 16, 7. Look at this. But here's the truth. Me and Kevin cut up about this. I, I got a friend of mine that always just says, says, John, I want to be honest with you. I'm like, well, what were you doing before that? Now Jesus said, listen, I'll fish tell you the truth. Well, you've been telling us the story the whole time? Come on. Notice how he's Notice how this is what he's doing. He's very precise in what he's doing. The, I'm telling you, God don't open his mouth with not, not it being strategic, not without it being intentional. Now he's looking at them. This is the last week. He knows what is about to happen. And he's eyeballing these men that he's pulled into this close side. And he's telling them, I want to tell you the truth right here. It is to your advantage that I leave. If I don't leave, the, the divine encourager will never be released to the earth. And this would not be his first trip to earth. Come on, somebody. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 is the first mention of the Holy Spirit. It was God the Father. If we go back to Job, the Bible says, as the morning stars sang together, the worship team in heaven was gathered up. Lucifer was carrying on how great thou art. And God stood upon the throne in that worship, and he began to look at the chaos. Come on, somebody. And he began to create. That's why, that's why he inhabits the praises of our people. Every time we worship and get in that place of worship, God begins to create. He begins to open doors that no man can open and he begins to shut doors that no man can shut he begins to take kidneys and that's ate up with cancer in the in worship and he begins to create new kidneys he begins to take a liver that is that is in failure in worship and he begins to create a brand new liver he's always creating friend and in genesis 1 verse 2 it says that the holy spirit come on god the father was the instigator he had the thought Jesus released the word. The Holy Ghost was the manifester that started hovering over the face of the deep in the chaos. You know what I feel like we should ask God this morning? He always, the, the Holy Ghost is still hovering over chaos. Every chaotic area of your life, you should invite the Holy Ghost to hover over it and begin to fix it. Whether it be finances, whether it be marriage, whether it be whatever you need, He will begin to hover over the chaos of your life and set it in divine order. So he's looking at him. Jesus knowing what he came to restore. He didn't come to fix. He didn't come to put a band-aid on Adam. He came as the last Adam. He came to lay an axe to the Adamic, that Adamic nature on the earth. And there's so much I want to go with this. Hold on. 
Look at this. Let, let, me, let me finish reading this. John 16, 7. But here's the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, look at this. He's going to expose sin. When we hear that, we think that he's coming and he's going to expose the playboys underneath our bed. He's going to expose the things that we've got wrong in the church because that's what Pentecostalism has told us is. But what he says is he's going to expose, I'm going to expose the, the Adam nature in, that's in the church. Come on, somebody. And Every time Romans deals with sin, it's not talking about sin as an action or a verb. It is talking about the sin nature. The church doesn't have any problem with sin. We have a brand new nature. The problem is we have got to recognize ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. God did not come. He is not restoring my old man. He supernaturally killed and destroyed my old man. I am a brand new species in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We have got to start preaching to the new man that's inside of people. Golly, I feel the Holy Ghost. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm coming to expose, he's coming to expose sin. He's coming to prove to the world that the, the world is wrong about God's righteousness and judgments. A lot of times when Jesus talks about the world, he's not talking about the drunkard. He's talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees that has lied to the church. Come on, somebody, about God's righteousness and judgment. The Sadducees is priests. If you clean yourself up, you can be accepted by God. But Jesus said, this is a lie. He's coming to expose to you that you don't have to clean yourself up, that you've already been accepted in the beloved, and the finished work of Jesus is enough. My God, I'm preaching like a Pentecostal preacher. My God, I feel it. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. You all right? I'm not worried about no clock. I got something that's far better than Outback could ever cook you right here this morning. Come on, somebody. He says he's coming, the spirit of truth. What? The spirit of truth's coming. He's coming to expose sin. He's coming to expose Adam and what Adam done in the garden, but he's coming to set the new standard of the second Adam. Come on, somebody. Now let's read it right here. Romans 5. Let's look at verse 1. This is enough to make you pick up a hymnal and, and throw it through a stained glass window. Our faith in Jesus transfers. Our faith in Jesus what? Transfers. God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us what? Flawless in his eyes. Preacher, you don't understand where I'm living at. I'm telling you right here. If you'll begin to take on your identity, where you living at will begin to change, friend. The problem is not, we are not in the war with the devil. I can read you that in 1 John 5. It says that who God has fathered does not have any enemy that can touch him. There is no way in hell that hell can touch you this morning because you are hidden in Christ Jesus. Don't pull no Job scenario out on me. Job is the question, but Jesus is the answer. And I am hidden in Christ this morning. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Adam, like you have to calm down. I'm going to sling this pulpit. Calm down. You, you pepping me up back there now. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Go to verse 12. When Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. How many sins you got to commit to be a sinner? Zero. You are a sinner in need of salvation because of what your great, 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 great granddaddy did. When Adam sinned, the sinners, the, the entire world was affected. Sin entered human experience, and death was the result. So death followed this sin. Casting, uh, casting its shadow over all of humanity because all have sinned. Sin was in the world before Moses gave the written law, but it was not charged against them where no law existed. 
Yet death reigned as king from Adam to Moses. Even though they hadn't broken a command, the way Adam had, the, the, way, the command the way Adam had, the first man, Adam, was a picture of the Messiah who was to come. Now look at this. Now there is no comparison. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't even close. There's no comparison. There is no comparison between Adam's transgression and the gracious gift that we experience. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. My God, look at this. I don't care what you've done this morning. The magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. You don't understand, preacher. You don't understand where I was last night. The magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. And if you'll start believing that, you'll watch those things disappear off of your life. We got people living under guilt and shame, afraid to worship because of everything that's happened in their life. But when you hear the good news of the gospel, it's good news, friend. I said it's good news. It ain't hell, fire, and brimstone. It's good news of the gospel. And when you hear that the gift far outweighs the crime, you'll begin to shake that shame. You'll begin to shake that guilty plea over your life. Come on, somebody. Because God has rendered us not guilty this morning. I don't care what's in your life. I know it offends the religious. It offends the crowd that is still following Adam, trying to hold up his banner. They don't agree with it, but I'm here to tell you that the greater covenant you and I are in is the ministry of the new covenant. It is the Spirit of God on the earth that is confirming that new covenant in us. Every day we are awake, He is reminding us who we are, whose we are, and where we are going. If I was at First Baptist, they'd be picking up the pews right now. But we down here in the Presbyterian church. But we're trying to do it. We're plowing on. You all right? All right. Oh, my God. I got to finish this. For the magnitude of the gift far outweighs the crime. It is true that many died because of one man's transgression. But how much greater will God's grace and His gracious gift of acceptance overflow to many because of what one man, Jesus, the Messiah, did for us? See, when we read Romans 8 and we think about adoption, we have been adopted in as sons of God. What we look at is that God was so ticked off at Israel because they rejected Him. He finally had pity and mercy and let us little bitty Gentiles come in here to the faith. I'll never be as good as a Jew. I can wear my little thing up there on whatever it is, the hackam or whatever it's called. What is it called? Yarmulke. That's when you go to, you, you, when you all use books as paperback in school. You know what I'm saying? You get stuff like this. <laughs> hey, yeah, yes, oh Lord. So, hey, I'm never going to be as good as him. Those God's people. I'm just a little filthy thing that I've been adopted. I've been adopted. And so my mind immediately, we immediately go to the Western theology that we're raised in. So we think of adoption as this. Adoption is as people have mercy on you, right? They have pity because they said, well, we just need to give this little fellow of home. And this is what adoption is. But it don't matter how great a home it is, I can never share because I'm never going to be, I'm never going to have their genetics. I'm never going to, it, it don't matter how great adoption is, how much I call him dad, there's nothing in that man that is in me. This is not what happened when you were adopted. When you got adopted, you got regened. Now everything that was flowing in him is now flowing in me. That's why 1 John 5 says, let, let, let's just go read this. You got to see this. Because some of you think, well, I don't know what he talking about this morning. I thought he going to preach on the Holy Ghost about tongues and fire and power. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, this is 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child and has been fathered by God himself. Church, this is good news. There's a whole lot more happen at the adoption. This is why we can really cry out, Abba, Father, because he has fathered us, regened us. Come on, somebody. The old man might have liked crack, but the new man don't. Come on, somebody. The old man might have been an alcoholic, but the new man has been regened. My God, if we could get down here at the house of grace and tell these men you have been regened, God himself has 
this would change our whole approach when we go to pray for healing. We wouldn't be up here, oh Lord God. Father, if you could just do something. John 16, you listen, listen right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're almost done. The settlers are already at the buffet eating right now, okay? First Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 9. This is why scripture, the scriptures say things have never discovered. Things what? Never discovered. Things what? Never discovered or heard of before. Things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all of his what? Lovers. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by what? The Spirit. Yes, he has revealed them to us in his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. He is the greatest search engine that the world has ever seen. He is constantly searching the mind of God. Come on, somebody. And the heart of God. And he's leading me down those paths. Religion told me I could miss his will. If I went this, I'm telling you, it is impossible with him as the compass to ever miss anything that God has ever had for you. He is searching the mind of God right now. Why does that man have the faith to sit in front of Ivy Leagues in business with a high school education? Because there's something that'll trump an Ivy League education. It is called the Holy Ghost that is searching the mind of God and revealing it to us. I gotta quit. I don't know how much my God I wrote pages. John 16, let's go back. I'm going to give you just a few more. John 16. I'm almost done. I just got to find a place to land. I can't hit the ground running this fast. I'm going to read... I'm going to read verse 12. Let's go to verse 12. There is so much more. Look at it. Look at this conversation. We're back in the conversation right here with them. Look at this. There's so much more I would like to say to you, but it is more than you can grasp at this moment. What you got to understand, there's times that you hang out with God, God will download something in you, and there's no way that you can grasp or understand what he's talking about in that season. He's sealing up something. I love Psalm 16. I am a dreamer, man. Three weeks ago, God gave me a dream and perfect counsel how to walk out the next six months of my life. I am a dreamer. Psalm 16, Jesus said he sealed up. David's talking about Jesus, how he sealed up instruction in the night season. When he went to bed, the angels of God were downloading what he needed for the next leg of the journey. Have you ever went to bed ticked off and just woke up in a brand new deal? What happened? The angels gave you a tune-up while you're sleeping. I know you don't believe this right here, but I'm just trying to help us a little bit. He's with us, friend. He's with us. He ain't no goosebumps that's showing up in this church. He'll be with me when I get on I-75. Come on, somebody. If somebody starts to act crazy, he'll tell me, you change this lane, change that lane, because he's searching the mind of God. Come on, somebody. Come on, y'all. He'll tell me when to sow when I need to sow it. He's everything. Come on. He's Lord, and where he's Lord, there's freedom. He is not leading us into bondage again unto fear. That's under slavery. He is leading us to freedom, which is the life in Christ. My, my, my. Look at this. Look at this. Y'all right? There is so much more I'd like to say to you, but it's more than you can grasp at this moment. But when the truth given spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He's saying, guys, listen here. I've got so much sealed up in you, you you can't even recognize what's in you right this moment. This is why he says, "You you have no need of a man teach you. 
He's not saying throw the teachers out of your life, throw all counsel out of your life. You want to do that? I'll show you a man that's headed for shipwreck. You want to see somebody going off the cliff? Oh, there's one thing you got to do. Give them a faulty teacher. Faulty teachers guaranteed failure. Which is why we fail in the area of business so much because the people that's teaching business in our Ivy League colleges never operated a business. You don't have nobody teaching. You come from a power background. You don't have nobody teaching someone how to handle 500 KV that has never handled it themselves, do you? There's not an instructor giving a module on a man to have to handle 14,000 uh, volts, which is what's on Satilla's lines out here, Cockwood's lines on our, but the 500 KV, those are men that have climbed those towers themselves and handled that 500 KV themselves. The reason why you don't do that, because if he's never done it himself, he doesn't know a clue what he's doing. All he can do is taking book knowledge. What Jesus is saying here, listen, what's inside of you is not going to leave you to book knowledge or head knowledge. It's fixing to leave you in truth. That word truth there is not the word for doctrine, but reality. This is churches where we gotten beat up at. You okay? I'm landing the plane. This is where we gotten beat up at. Because the church is full of head knowledge, but it don't have experiential knowledge. But what Jesus said, the Holy Ghost inside of you will reveal things even long after I'm gone. He's going to reveal the truth that I've spoken already to you. That's why your job is this. People talk to me about, well, you know, John, I wish I could quote the Bible like you, like I'm Jack Van Impey or something. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. I just tell people, read it. That's all you got to do. All, your job is to put it in. It's God's job to pull it out. I can't tell you what I ate last month on, on Wednesday at lunch, but I can tell are you with me now? But all I can tell you is it sustained me to get here to talk to you this morning. So your job is just to eat the word. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. That word truth is the reality, experiential knowledge. This is where he's trying to get us to. You ready? I'm going to close with this. Let's look at this verse right here in Jude, the little book before, before Revelation. I'll stop right here. <clears throat> look at Jude, little book before Revelation, verse 20. But you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. Listen to this. Instead of praying to God, learn how to pray with God. There's a difference between praying to God and praying with God. See, I was taught to pray, coming to pray. Father God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, bless this city. Touch everybody. Get the heathen off of us, Lord. God, break the devils back in the name of Jesus. God, bless my pastor. Bless my wife. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. That was praying to God. What if the approach to prayer was like this? Father, I really don't have nothing to say. I just want to hang out with you. Father, I pray you begin to fill my heart with your dream right here this morning. Because, see, nothing can happen on the earth unless it's set on the earth. So God is looking. How many knows that we are co-laborers with the Lord? And no greater way that we demonstrate that co-labor relationship than the area of prayer. Prayer is trust that I am co-laboring with Him. So now when I begin to pray, I believe when he, what He's talking about here is praying in tongues. Now we will deal, I, I don't, I really going to clean this. I was going to say something, I got to clean it up. Make it more palatable. Well, Pastor John, are you not aware that Tongues, the Bible says, is the lesser gift. But we should seek earnestly the greater gifts. And the greatest of all of these are love. Now, what father in this room, when here, if you gathered around the Christmas tree and you've got gifts and 
you know what I'm saying? But say John Bentley, I'll use him. And he doesn't open one gift because he knows that it came from Fred's. I'm just using that. Hey, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Or if he knows I got it from Adel Trading, it's a box of chalk. Well, I ain't even going to open it because it's a lesser gift. Anything that my father's given, there ain't nothing less about it. And I can tell you, everyone in this room and everyone watching by via live stream should have tongues activated in your life. Because the Bible says that the flesh doesn't know what to pray about at all. But the Spirit of God does, and it makes intercessions and groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit of God is searching. So when I when I cut this language off of praying for my pastor and praying for my community and all this, and I'm just in there hanging out with the Lord. I'm start going operating in the realm of the Spirit. That is tongues that does not have to be interpreted. Let me teach right here just for a moment. If somebody jumps up and interrupts his service in tongues, that should be interpreted. But there is a tongue that you pray that is your prayer language that you build yourself up in your most holy faith I can't tell you how important this is you should be speaking in tongues daily Larry sends us videos of him driving down the highway like a crazy man hollering out in tongues but he believes in the power of praying in the Holy Ghost Come on, somebody. People used to laugh at Kenneth Copeland for praying in the Holy Ghost, but the man is in his late 80s, and he looks like he's getting younger, not older. they got to be something to it. There's this guy that used to be, he's a Church of God evangelist. He, he would preach with such energetics. I'm just telling you, this man is probably the craziest man I've ever seen. He was a full-blown, like, like fourth or fifth degree martial arts guy kickboxer and he would get on the stage and start doing full kickboxing. I thought he was going to kick the worship leader in the mouth one night. I'm dead serious. I was started praying in tongues for the worship leader. I said, this man's going to kill him on the stage right here. He would preach with such energy and such passion and such wildness that then at the end he would take his suit coat off and he had a wetsuit like thing that they put around. Am I telling him any story? This man was in the mafia. He killed people for a living, and God got him out of prison, saved his life. Man, he's, he was from Chicago. He told a herky-jerky. I mean, he speak like he was from Chicago. You can't do it for South Georgia language. See, so anyhow, he's, he's preaching. He's talking about, he said he, so he came home one afternoon, and he said he, he, he uh, this man walked off a live television broadcast because he had prayer time at 4 o'clock, walked off a live television, left him sitting there. He said, I got an appointment with the king, and I'm never late. Never walked in, I always walked in his prayer closet in a suit because he said he'd never meet the king casually. This was his life. And so he's got his daughter, and his daughter's embarrassed because they're shopping. He took his daughter shopping or whatever. His daughter's embarrassed because he's walking around. But said every store they went into to get up and say, oh, there's an extra 30% off of this sale item right here. Oh, there's another 30%. He said, Daddy, just keep praying in tongues and I'm going to keep shopping. I'm talking about praying in tongues. There was a man that Kathy and I knew. He was he's a denominational pastor. God told him God told him two weeks two weeks prior to his death to call his family in. He said, "I'm fixing to take you home to be with the, to be with me. This is it. You're at the end of the line. Call your sons in and bless them. You're fixing to leave the earth in two weeks." He died two weeks later after God told him that in his prayer closet. He'd be on the golf course. He'd be about to tee off, and if he was behind him, he'd be. He'd hit it. He'd shoot a, He'd shoot about, I mean, just par, or you know what I'm saying? Always doing good. Praying in the spirit. See, the religious mind's offended at that. The religious mind says, well, we can't do nothing unless God shows up. There's things that God expects you to activate by faith. Come on, somebody. I'm not waiting on some great wind. If you wait on it to come, it'll never come. But if you paddle your surfboard out, that's why we talk about I can hear the sound of abundance of rain. Come on, friend. There's 75 people in this room, and we was half dead in worship. But I'm not looking at that. I'm listening into the realm of the Spirit and to the natural man, to the natural man. It looks dead. It looks like a graveyard. But let me tell you, one of the greatest revivals ever took place in Scripture took place in the middle of a graveyard. I'm telling you, God is looking for people that are called those things or not as though they are. Father, I pray. 
pray. Come on, get your hands up. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. This morning, God, I bless this congregation with a fresh wave of the Holy Ghost right now. In the name of Jesus, let your power come, God, in might. Father, I pray a greater walk of the communion with the Holy Ghost in this room. I bless this people this morning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I bless them right now in the name of the Lord. Father, we declare this day is a great day. This is a great day in the name of Jesus. I thank you for signs, wonders, and miracles coming to this house in the name of Jesus. I bless this people today, God. Yeah, I bless this people today. They can know that you are with them. You are for them. They are not guilty. The gift far outweighs the crime in this house. We are free this morning. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in the name of Jesus. Give God a great God bless you, church. Come on, get up on your feet and celebrate His goodness. Get up on your feet. Take three minutes to celebrate His goodness. Come on. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, I release dreams, revelations in the name of Jesus. Father, I release the fiery coals in this house right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you right now. Holy Spirit, we love you. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church. Bless him one more time. God bless you all. We will see you on the live stream Wednesday. We'll see you in person next Sunday. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week. Amen.